0: Welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so thankful that you chose to be with us here this morning. Whether you're here live in the auditorium or you are online, we are so thankful to spend our Sunday morning together as a church family. So before we get started here this morning, I would be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge the fact that as most of you know, baseball season is now over. And I want to say congratulations to all of my Dodger fan friends who I have many of, on your well-deserved World Series this year. I wore the closest thing I have to Dodger blue in honor of my Dodger fans. So congratulations, and uh, again, it's great to be here with you this morning. This morning, we're gonna continue our series through the book of Philippians. And I hope that you guys are enjoying this series as much as I'm enjoying presenting it to you. It's funny, as I as I prepare these lessons and as I start to dig into these, these topics and these subjects, I guarantee you I learn more about it than you do. But I hope that you're also getting something out of this. I know Philippians is a book that many of you have told me that you've really enjoyed and you're enjoying our kind of walk through it. Now, of course, we're not hitting every single point in the book of Philippians. That would take us a really long time to get through. So I do want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to just spend some time in the book of Philippians, and kind of read between the lines, and maybe pick up on some of those things that we haven't had time to go through, because there is just so much good stuff in the book of Philippians. I want to remind you this morning, before we dive into today's subject, about the title of this series, which is Rejoice in the Lord Always, There is just this recurring theme throughout the book of Philippians of joy. And that's what I really want to focus on. I think right now especially, we need to find that joy in our lives, and we need to find that encouragement in our lives, and we know that that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, spend some time in the book of Philippians, and you'll catch some of the things that maybe we haven't had a chance to go over on Sunday mornings. So today, we are going to jump into chapter 3. So we're about halfway through the book of Philippians at this point. And we're going to focus our efforts this morning on verses 7 through 14. Now again, 7 through 14, and we're focusing on this idea of pressing on and taking hold. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. So in case you're going, wait a minute, what does he mean by that? Promise you we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. But I want to remind you that as we read through this book of Philippians, it's important that you understand the context. So maybe if you haven't had a chance to watch the first, the first few lessons on this, um, just to remind you that Paul is writing this letter from prison. And Paul's in a very uncertain time in his life. Okay, He doesn't know if he's waiting to be executed. He doesn't know how long he may be in prison. He doesn't know if he'll ever see the light of day again. But Paul has found the secret to finding joy despite his circumstances. And I think that this is especially relevant for us right now because especially as we see the holidays approaching, you know, we're still in the midst of this this pandemic and maybe things don't look the same this year. Maybe maybe Halloween last night didn't look the same for your kids that it normally does. And maybe as we shift our focus to Thanksgiving, Maybe that's not looking like it normally would have. Maybe you're not able to travel to the places you would normally go, or, or maybe you're not able to gather like you would want to gather. We can't let that steal our joy. And that's exactly what Paul does. See, Paul's in prison, so he also can't go the places that he wants to go and see the people that he wants to see. But Paul didn't let that stop him from doing two very important things. One, finding joy in Jesus Christ. And number two, continuing to do the Lord's work. Paul does some really powerful things from a prison cell. So see, we can't use this coronavirus as our excuse to say, well, you know what? I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't go the places I want to go. I can't spread the kingdom like I would like to. So I'm just going to sit back and just kind of let it be. See, that's not what Paul does, and that's not the example that he sets for us, and that's exactly why we're spending this time in the book of Philippians. So we're not going to take the time to read through verses 1 through 6, but Paul is talking about the physical aspect of this whole Christ movement in the early church. Now, in case you don't remember... This is right about that time we've got this debate, right, between the Jews and the Gentiles. Because the Jews, of course, understood that they were God's chosen people. But what they didn't understand was that as these Gentiles were converting to Christianity, there was a section of the Jewish people out there that thought, well, they need to do all of the things they need to convert to Judaism before they can become part of God's chosen people. So you'll see throughout some of Paul's letters is this concept of, you know, some of the Jewish people said, hey, you need to be circumcised if you want to be considered one of God's chosen people. And Paul is saying, look, it's not about the physical side, it's about the spiritual and the mental side and the relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's kind of a recurring theme, and we're not going to get too deep into that here this morning because I want to focus on some other things. But it's important that you understand that he's continuing this letter by saying, look, guys, it's not about the physical side. It's not about the outward expression that you're doing. It's about what's in your heart, and it's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul goes on to talk about the fact that his old life... Okay, Paul's old life. This is before his meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus. So I'm going to just remind you of why Paul's mindset was the way it was. And and here's a few things. See, Paul, he was circumcised on the eighth day, which is what he would have been required to do. He was born and raised an Israelite. So he was born and raised as one of God's chosen people. So you can understand how this would lead him to feel like, again, prior to meeting Jesus, hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm good. There's nothing else that I need to do. He could name his tribe, which was the tribe of Benjamin, which was a faithful tribe and one of the tribes that had remained faithful throughout history. He was a he was he was a Jew and he was also a Hebrew. So again, he kind of fit right into that mold of God's chosen people. And he was also still an Aramaic speaker. Because at this time, people had started to kind of move away from the Aramaic language. But Paul was still an Aramaic speaker, which is what he thought he needed to do under the old law. And he was a devout observer of the law and a Pharisee. So again, he he says, I'm in the lane. I know exactly what I need to do. And he was zealous in this idea of persecuting Christians. We all know that before Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was a persecutor of Christians. He literally sought out Christians so that he could murder them and he could destroy them. And we know that according to Paul and according to the old law, that he was considered faultless under the Mosaic law. Now, we all know if you've done any any research on the Bible, that the whole thing about the Pharisees, right, was that they did all the right things and they said all the right things, but what were they missing? They were missing the heart. So see, before meeting Jesus, Paul thought, hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm saying all the right things. I'm good. There's nothing else that I need. And that all changed, of course, on the day that Jesus met him on the road. So let's pick up in our scripture. We're going to pick up again in verse 7. And here Paul is talking about all of those things that I just outlined for you. He's talking about this old life that he had under the old law. And he says... But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So you got to remember, Paul was kind of a high-ranking official, right? He was a well-respected person. He was someone who everyone thought, he's on the right path, he's on the right path to success. But now that he knows Christ, he considers those things not a gain, but a loss, it says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It says, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I love the pa- fact that Paul goes on to say, look, it's all garbage. It's all trash. And for some of you, especially if you, if you came to Christ later in life, maybe you can kind of relate to this that maybe there was some, just some trash and some garbage in your life that you had to get rid of. I know I can say that for me. I know I can say I went through a time in my life where I was not a Christ follower, and that stuff was all garbage. And as I look back, I feel just like Paul did. That stuff was all garbage. I got to get that stuff out of my life. You know, from time to time, we got to just go through and clear out the garbage. Let's pick up in verse nine. It says, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So see, he's, he's referring back to what we just talked about. It's not about those ideas that came from the law. It's about my faith in Christ. It says the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, all right? Because it all comes down to faith. And see, that's what Paul was missing before. He was doing all those things that he thought were the right things and saying the right things, but he didn't have faith. So let's, let's talk about some of these key words in this passage as we start to break this down. And that's this whole idea of considering, this whole idea of considering. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But what are the things that we gain from a life in Christ? And what are the things that we consider a loss? What are the things that we consider a loss? I know when I think back to my old life and I think about some of the mistakes that I've made, it, 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 I don't even know how to describe it, but I certainly wouldn't consider it a loss. I would consider it just like Paul did. I would consider it garbage. But as we think back, are there things that we lose when we follow Christ? Are there things that we have to give up when we follow Christ? Are there things that maybe we can't or shouldn't do when we follow Christ? But see, that's okay. In this case, it's okay to lose. Because look at the things that we gain by being a Christ follower and truly following Christ. And again, I put the word garbage up here just because I love how Paul calls that stuff garbage. So see, sometimes just like Paul did, we have to stop and just take stock of our lives. We have to just slow down. I know, especially for some people like me, it's hard to do that sometimes. It's hard to just put the brakes on. It's hard to slow down. I work full time. I have kids. I'm in school. I've got a lot going on, but sometimes we just have to throw the brakes on and say, wait a minute. I need to stop and take stock of where I'm at in my relationship with my spouse, in my relationship with my kids, in my relationships with my friends or my coworkers, and most importantly, as a Christ follower. We have to stop and say, how am I doing? We have to take a hard look at ourselves and say, am I on the right path to being a Christ follower? Or, just like Paul said, is there still some garbage in my life that I need to clear out and I need to get rid of? We have to stop and take stock of where our lives are at. Where are our priorities? And I know some of these are kind of small and they're going to be a little bit, a little bit challenging to read, but, but what are some of these idols that are in our lives? And yet, we may, not, we, may not, we may not worship the golden calf like the Israelites did in the Old Testament, but what are those things that have become idols in our own lives? Is it the pursuit of money? Is it work? Is it relationships that we shouldn't be in? What are these things that have become idols? Because remember, an idol isn't just a statue. It isn't just something made out of gold. It's anything that prevents our relationship with Jesus Christ from continuing to grow and to get stronger. Those are the idols that we have in our lives and these are the things that Paul is calling garbage that we've got to clear out so that we can truly be a Christ follower. See, it's all about priorities, right? It's all about putting the first things first. And the Bible talks over and over about that. Love God. Love your neighbor, right? Those are our priorities. And if those aren't our priorities, then we need to stop and back up and take stock of where we're at in our lives and put the first things first. I want to jump over to the book of Mark. So I apologize. I know I'm going to make you do some Bible flipping this morning. But I'm going to ask you to flip over to the book of Mark, and I want to to look at a piece of Scripture with you in chapter 8. And this is going to be verses 34 through 36. So again, Mark chapter 8, 34 through 36 says, Then he called the crowds to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their Souls. Priorities. Putting the first things first. What is he talking about here in Mark? He's talking about putting the first things first. He's saying, you got to stop everything else that you're doing. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow Jesus. And if we're not doing that, then we've lost track of our priorities. And it's time to refocus. Because, like he says at the end of this passage, what good does it do? If we gain the whole world, if we're rich and we're successful and we're powerful, but at the end of the day, it costs us our soul. Let's look at a definition real quick, and this is the definition of righteousness. And I bring this up because I run into more and more people who, when they hear that word righteousness, they don't really know what that word means. And see, I think as Christians, we have to be careful sometimes about the words that we use, especially when we're talking to people who maybe aren't Christians or maybe didn't grow up in the church, because we, get, we start to use this Christian speak, right? We start to use these words that people just don't understand and don't know what it means. So I think it's important that we take a look at righteousness, because Paul uses this over and over in this passage. And that is simply a God-given attribute that implies that our actions are justified, It can can mean explicitly that we have been judged or reckoned as leading a life that is pleasing to God. And you can just throw the rest of the stuff away and look at that very last part. It's leading a life that is pleasing to God. It means that we're in that right relationship with God. Means that we're doing everything we can to leave our past behind us. It means that we're doing everything that we can to repent from and walk away from the sins that we've committed and to truly follow Jesus. Because if we're not in that right relationship, then we risk what we just talked about in Mark, and that's gaining the world, but losing our souls. Let's jump back into Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 10. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says, I want to know Christ. Yes to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming more like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Powerful stuff here in Philippians. I love it. So here's my question for you this morning. Do you know Jesus? Do you truly know Jesus? Or are we simply stalking him? And here's what I mean by that. We all have a favorite movie star, actor, actress, athlete, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times we can list off everything about that person. Where are they from? We'll use an athlete for an example. Uh, What college did they go to? How long have they been in the league? Uh, How many home runs did they hit this year? How many RBIs did they have this year? What was their batting average this year? We know all about them. But we can't say that we know that person. We know about that person. And we've taken the time to memorize these important facts about that person because they are our favorite athlete or our favorite actor or actress or whatever the case may be. Do we do the same thing with Jesus is my question. Do we know about Jesus? Well, yeah, he was this this, this guy that lived 2,000 years ago that did some cool stuff. Do we know about him? And maybe we know the stories of him, and we know the Christmas story, and we know the Easter story, and we know the highlight reel of Jesus, but do we truly know Jesus? And that's why I ask, do we know him, or are we stalking him? Do we just know about Jesus? We've got to truly know Jesus, And we do that through time in the scripture. We do that through time in prayer and meditation. And we we form this relationship with Jesus. See, we don't have a relationship with those actors and actresses and and athletes. But we can have a relationship with Jesus. But like any relationship, it's a two-way street. And it takes a little work on our end. And we've got to be willing to put in that time and that effort. Let's pick up in verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all of this. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead of me. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, here's this idea of this pressing on. And I love the humility. And for those of you who were with us a couple weeks ago, we spent a lot of time talking about humility. I love the humility of Paul. He says, hey, I know I'm not there yet. Now, this is Paul. Paul's done some amazing things for Jesus Christ. And as he writes this letter, he's sitting in a prison cell for preaching the gospel. See, Paul wasn't a criminal. He wasn't stealing. Paul was preaching the good news of Jesus. And he's sitting in a jail cell for his efforts. But he says, hey, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm still working towards the goal. And I'm working on my relationship with Jesus. And I think that is so important for us to remember. Because we're not there yet. Just like Paul, we're not there yet. Now for those of you who are parents, this slide probably made you cringe and probably made chills go up your spine from the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles because anytime you go on a road trip, like five minutes into the road, you hear this. Right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You got Most of you know, Lucas, my three year old, does this all the time. I take him to school in the morning. He goes to school here at the preschool. We leave the house. It's only a six minute drive, two minutes into the drive. Are we there yet? So maybe this, maybe this kind of brings back some like, nails on the chalkboard for some of you, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But, but this is a question that we have to think about. Are we there yet? Are we where we need to be in our relationship with Jesus? This goes back to this stop and, and taking stock of where we're at. Are we there yet? And I think if we get right down to it, And I'm not going to answer for anybody but myself. But just like Paul, I can say, I'm not there yet. But I'm striving each day to be closer and closer and closer to it. So I'm not there yet. Paul wasn't there yet. And if Paul wasn't there yet, I'm certainly not there yet. Let's flip over to Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And let's flesh out this idea of perfection, right? Because you say, hey, I never claimed to be a perfect Christian. But anytime we look down on somebody else for the mistakes that they're making, we're basically saying, hey, I'm better than you. Anytime we look sideways at someone because we don't agree with the lifestyle that they're living, we're saying, hey, I'm better than you. And we're acting, right, as if we're a perfect Christian. But here, let's see what Romans says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say some. It doesn't even say many. It says all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. And thank goodness that we are. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God giving us the forgiveness that we don't deserve and being willing to send his son to be the sacrifice for the mistakes that we make, we would be accountable for every mistake that we make. And I don't know about you, but that scares me to death. Think about that. Every little mistake that you make is going to count against you on Judgment Day. That gives me chills just thinking about it. And I thank God every day that that's not the case. And that he loved me enough to send his son so that I wouldn't have to do that. We're not perfect Christians. Nor do we have to be. Nor are we expected to be. But let's make sure that we're not acting like that to others. Because guess what? Just because somebody sins different than you, right, doesn't mean that it's not a sin. My sin is still a sin just because somebody else has a different sin than I have. But guess what? Nothing you can do will make God love you any less. Nothing you can do. Now, don't get me wrong. He may not like it. But just like for those of you who are parents, when our kids screw up and they drive us crazy and they draw all over the wall with with a marker, don't even get me started on that because it just happened. I didn't like it. But it doesn't mean that I don't love my son just as much. And see, that's what I love about this idea of God being the perfect father to us. Because just like when I'm a father and my kids do things to drive me crazy every single day of my life, I still love them just as much. I love them more every day. And guess what? God loves you more every day too, despite the mistakes that you make. And he loved you enough to send his son so that those mistakes don't count against you every day of your life. See, we, this idea of, of pressing on and taking hold of what Christ has done for us. See, we've got to always be moving forward, right? We've got to always be moving forward. We've got to keep pressing on to that goal, which is the eternal life in heaven. See, heaven is going to be this amazing place that I, my feeble mind, I can't even comprehend what heaven is really going to be like. But what I do know is there's no fears and there's no sorrows and there's no tears in heaven. So I know it's going to be worth it. And that's all I have to focus on. See, we've got to take hold of what Christ has already done for us. Christ did the hard part, right? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying your life's not hard sometimes, because it is. And my life is hard sometimes. And we go through things that are really hard. But look at what Christ went through. And it makes what we go through seem pretty small compared to what he went through. We've got to let go of our time and our treasure and our talents. And see, this goes back to what Paul was talking about with loss, right? Because we're called to put God first and to use our time for God and to use our talents for God and to give to God. And no, this is not a sermon about offering. But it's about priorities like we were talking about earlier. Our priorities. Are we giving the first gifts to God? Because that's what he wants and that's what he deserves. And we can't be stagnant. See, I look at it like a windshield. It's like a windshield, right? We gotta keep pressing on and looking forward. See, the windshield in your car is huge, right? Relatively speaking. And that's where we look ahead. And your rearview mirror is about this big, right? Because we gotta always be looking forward. We've always gotta be pressing on to the goal. Yes, we have to to look back once in a while so that we don't slip back into those things that we did before. But we always want to be focused ahead with our eyes going forward because thanks to Jesus, my past does not define me. The mistakes that I made don't define me anymore because I'm defined by my new life in Jesus Christ. And that's what's important and that's what we want to focus on. I couldn't resist the opportunity to put a Disney quote in Those of you that know me, I love Disney. It's killing me that Disneyland is closed. But you got to leave your past behind you. And Jesus is what allows us to do that. I talk to people all the time, and I talk to people who are Christians, and I talk to people who are not Christians, and it breaks my heart when people say to me, I can't because of what I did in the past. I can't. I've made too many mistakes. There's no way that God loves me and there's no way he accepts me because of what I've done in the past. That breaks my heart because that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that you're not defined by your past anymore. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're baptized and you repent of your sins, that past doesn't matter anymore. Don't let that past drag you down. Don't let that past think that you can't. See, get rid of that word, but. Yeah, I know God loves me, but I did this, this, and this. Yes, I know I want to follow Jesus, but get that out of your life. Because that doesn't matter anymore. You're not defined by your past. If that were the case, Paul would not have done the things that he did. Because Paul did worse than probably anybody in this room is ever going to do. But he didn't let that define him. He didn't say to Jesus on the road to Damascus, I can't do it, Jesus, sorry, because I've I've done too much. He didn't do that. And we can't do that either. And I know I'm running out of time. So just a couple of of quick scriptures that I want to remind you of about leaving your past in the past. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you can take a picture of the slide or go back and look at it. We're going to go through these kind of quick. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I love it. The old is gone. The garbage is gone. The trash has been taken out. That's not you anymore. Let's look at Isaiah 43 18. Let's jump back to the Old Testament for just a second. It says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. It's like trying to drive your car using the rearview mirror, right? Not going to work out very well for you. I want to leave you with what I hope will be an encouraging verse for you. And this comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And if that isn't press on in a nutshell, I don't know what is. See, we can't get tired. You know, sometimes we feel like we're not seeing what we want to see here on earth. We feel like we're not getting the rewards we want to get. Well, guess what? If you study your Bible enough, you know that we're not promised rewards here on earth. We're not promised an easy life. We have an easier life in Christ because we know what's waiting for us at the end. But we're never promised that things are going to be easy and that everything is going to be a better roses. We're not promised you're going to have the big house and the fancy cars. That You're always going to get the promotion and make all the money. That's not what the Bible teaches. But what the Bible teaches is if you'll be faithful to Jesus Christ and you'll keep pressing on to that goal, then one day you'll have everything you ever desired in heaven. Quickly, let's go through our takeaways. And again, these are, if you haven't gotten anything else out of the lesson today, these are the things that I want you to walk away with. Look forward. Don't look back. Don't let your past, be, don't let your past define you. Just forget it. Keep pressing on. Take hold of what Christ has done for you. Because Christ went to the cross for every single one of us. He went, to, he went to the cross for me and for you and for you and for everyone who hears my voice right now. We, it's, it's our job to take hold of that and know Jesus. Don't be a stalker. And I know that's kind of funny, and, it's kind of, and that's why I use that, because it's kind of a funny thing to say. And when you first heard that, you probably went, what is this guy talking about? But don't, don't just stalk Jesus. Jesus. Don't just know about Jesus. Don't just know the things that Jesus did. Know Jesus. Spend the time to know Jesus. Read the scriptures. Spend time in prayer. Build a relationship with Jesus. Because only when you truly know Jesus can you truly follow Jesus. In just a moment, uh, we're going to sing another song. It's called The Song of Invitation. And maybe you're with us this morning or you're in our online audience this morning and and you've never had a chance to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You've never had a chance to say, look, Jesus, I want to put all of that stuff in my past, all of that garbage, I want to put it behind me, and I want to start to follow you. You have an opportunity to do that here this morning. We can baptize you for the remission of your sins. If you're online with us, please email me, Aaron, at mvchurch.org. We'd be happy to, to meet with you and talk to you, and we can make an appointment for you to come up and be baptized as well. Or maybe maybe you've been a Christian for your whole life, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you've let that past kind of creep back in and start to define who you are. We would love to talk to you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way. There is no reason today to leave here or to walk away from this service without being in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So would you please stand with me together as we sing. We will shout to the north and the south, sing to the east and the west, Jesus is Savior to all, Lord of heaven and earth. You are Lord of heaven and earth. You are Lord of heaven heaven Well, thank you for joining us this morning in our song service and our worship service this morning. Um, I want to take just a moment on a personal note to uh, thank this congregation. Um, Today is actually my three-year anniversary here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. And I have been very excited to be here in the church that I call home and working in full-time ministry. I've been the youth and involvement minister for the last three years, and for the last nine months or whatever it's been, I've been the kind of the interim preacher um, as we continue our preacher search. So I just want to thank all of our congregation, whether you're here or in our online, for all the love and the support. It has been a fantastic three years, and I look forward to many, many, many more years to come if you'll have me. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day. We're thankful for this opportunity that we've had to come together to just to be with you. We pray, pray, Heavenly Father, today that you will help us just to grasp onto this concept of just taking hold of the amazing gift that you've given us and just pressing on to that goal. Help us to be like Paul and just to put our past behind us and to clearly focus ahead and focus on you and the love that you have for us. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go our separate ways, we ask that you just be with this congregation, this church family, wherever they may be this morning. Just be with us. Help to keep us safe and help to always point us back to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for that love. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Have a fantastic day and have a great week. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. will come and say